Hi there, I'm Shelly Berry with Gateway Bank here to present a webinar for you on how to build a resilient business with the right relationships. Welcome, glad you're here. I see some people are still coming on in. I'm going to share a screen and just get going. I've got a presentation for you. Um, I might pause and ask for some interaction in the chat if you'd like to provide that. You don't have to wait for me to ask for, for you to use the chat, to use the chat, as Chelsea said. And then um, I love, I'm going to, there's probably going to be a good amount of time at the end as well for any specific questions that you might have, and I would love to address them. I'm gonna share my screen here and get started today, as you probably know, which is probably the reason why you clicked the link is I'm gonna talk about business resiliency. So I'm assuming most of the people on the call probably own a business or are interested in one or has run a business before or maybe works with businesses, particularly small businesses. So I'm gonna talk about how to build a resilient business with the right relationships. Before I get into the nitty gritty of all that, um, just I'll share a little bit about myself and my family. Sometimes I wear my hair up like you might be seeing right now. Sometimes I wear it down like you see in this picture. And then that's the crew over there uh, on the right side of your screen there. We look a little casual uh, because it was Father's Day when we just took this picture. So it was the most recent picture. But this is us. Um, but those little kiddos from about how many years ago? Oh gosh, so I have to do the math today. Um, almost two decades ago, um, were you know under we were really little. My son I think was two or three when I opened my first like brick and mortar business. And so, if you're wondering why I was a banker doing here, because I do have Gateway Bank up here, you know, talking about businesses, it's because I'm a business owner too, even to, to this day. But back then um, I started a business. It was called Recess Kids Club. And it's where um, kids stay and play and you go on your way and pay by the hour. So that's what this business was. It was a unique back then concept on what today would probably be called subscription-based business. Just offer a childcare solution for families that need more of a flexible schedule and don't want to get kind of hemmed in in a tuition-based model. Anyway, I saw a need in the around 2005, actually before that, but it was 2005-ish where I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, Arizona, it's booming out here, especially in the East Valley. Houses and neighborhoods are coming up. Um, they need a place to put their kids safely so they can unpack a box or two families do when they move here. And so I needed that for my kids when we moved here. So why don't I provide a solution that could be a good fit for everybody? So that's how Recess Kids Club came about. Did not open until 2008. And if those of you, I don't know I, the age ranges of those of you on the call today, some of you may not have been born yet. Some of you might've been in elementary school or you might've been my age, old enough to remember what happened in 2008. And it's what's coined today as the Great Recession. And so I came up with this concept from idea to reality of Recess Kids Club. I thought I saw community need and they were actually quite excited as I was starting to build it out and open it up. 
I had a lease, I had to hire staff, uh, did all the marketing and all the rest. But by the time we opened, it was fall 2008 and we're in the middle of it. So I know what it's like when storms come, when the unexpected happen, when disruptions happen in life and when my business and the, my business resiliency is tested. And fortunately, I opened that business during the recession and it closed during the recession. But out of that time, that two year period, I got to hire people who might not have otherwise had a job. I got to provide a service for people that might not have otherwise been able to find a service like that so that they could keep their job. And I gained a wealth of information about business and wealth of experience that I already knew going in because I'm a daughter of an entrepreneur and business owner and uh, you know, graduated from school with you know, all that stuff. But boy, there's something about when, you, when it's put to practice and when you experience it real time, what you can gain. So today uh, I work for a community bank and able to really provide these skills when I connect with small to medium businesses, uh, small to medium businesses like, like I had um, to connect with them uh, to share with them what I wish I knew when I owned my own business and what I think every small business owner should have, the type of relationship I believe every small business owner should have with their banker. So there's, I didn't do everything, you know, just because you open and close a business doesn't mean you screwed up and you're the one, you're a huge failure, you did all these things wrong, but there's always room for improvement. I did learn a lot of things. Uh, one of them was, well, some of the things I did right. I did seek out strategic partners. So when you start a business, even if you're a solopreneur and you really want to grow and scale it, it's not something you want to do on your own. You do need a team of strategic partners. I had a realtor, I had a business lawyer consulted with, I even had a financial advisor. But my mistake was that they weren't, they were the wrong partners in the sense that I didn't do what I needed to do to develop trusting relationships with them, to really vet them out. I did the best I could with what I had, but they, when hard times came, they really weren't there for me. And so uh, my distraction was working in my business, working in my business, trying to make it happen, trying to make it happen. And I missed a pivotal strategic partner. And that was my banker. I had a bank. I had one of those mega banks, those big banks that rolled out the red carpet for me. When I opened my business, I got the accounts, I got the credit card, I got all the bells and whistles. I got payroll support, workers comp support, which I thought would really truly be support, but found out otherwise, and that'll be a private conversation later for those <laughs> that it, it, it means something too. But at the end of the day, I had no banker to help me out either when the Great Recession hit. So I have a real connection to small to medium-sized business owners, the pain points that you go through and um, how to help you navigate through some hard times. So I want you to learn from me so you don't make the same mistakes that I made and maybe pick up some things along the way that I wish I had when I owned my own business. So back to this building a resilient business thing. This is what we're gonna cover today are these four topics. What is business resiliency? It is, is it the first time maybe some of you have heard the name? How do I build it, right? Maybe we know what it means, but like, how do I build it? Um, and then I've got some questions for you to determine whether or not your business is resilient. 
and then of course we've got to measure it because maybe your business is or how, how do I know what factors go into measuring the strength of my business resiliency and of course how that right banking partner and other partners too can help storm proof your business because wouldn't it be nice we can't avoid storms but wouldn't it be nice if we can at least weather it and give that get out on the other side without being completely soaked or drowning so that's what we're going to cover today um this is a great quote i found here uh about business resiliency so i'll read it out loud and we'll move on to more definitions the world is experiencing a level of disruption and business risk not seen in generations. Some companies freeze and fail, while others innovate, advance, and even thrive. The difference is resilience. So keep that in mind, move on here. So let's talk about the definition. What is business resiliency? Well, simply put, Business resiliency is the ability to continue business operations while quickly adapting to foreseen or unforeseen circumstances. So foreseen circumstances, you know what I mean by that? Because even when we see it coming, uh, I didn't see the recession coming, but even when you might see another economic swing coming, it can still throw us off balance, right? So the ability to continue business operations while quickly adapting, that's key. So here's some other examples. You see those pictures up there. That one probably looks familiar in the top right there with the masks on the pandemic. Did anybody see that one coming? That one definitely wasn't an, an unforeseen circumstance. And even when we did see it coming, we probably didn't understand the depth of it and the length of it. So that also could be unforeseen. And then of course, natural disasters happen all the time. Um, you don't know when the next you know, earthquake could happen or flood or um, storm, haboob, anything like that could throw a business off balance. So um, I'm gonna talk about, I'm gonna switch sides in just a moment, switch slides, and they're gonna contain a lot of content, but I don't want your eyes to glaze over. I'm really excited to share with you the five P's to measuring your business resiliency. I'll get to that in just a moment because we can't really measure anything until we've built it first. So I'm going to lay some foundation before we get to the five P's. But I just want to drop that nugget so you guys stay with me till I get to that slide. So like I said a moment ago, disruptions and storms, like you see in these pictures, even when we see it coming, it can throw us off balance, right? In Arizona, in the desert, we may not get uh, hurricanes or um, huge amounts of flooding. A tsunami probably won't come through here. Every now and then we'll feel the, the um, what, is it, what is it called, the tremor, the tremors or the after effects of an earthquake maybe in California, but we don't get the full impact. But in the desert, we know 110 degree temps are coming. And yet we still act like we can't believe it. Like we don't know how to deal with it as if we've never been through it before. And I'm talking about myself right now. We still get dehydrated, even though we know it's coming. We still complain about it, even though it happens every year. There's heat exhaustion that happens. There's heat stroke, all the rest. Those are storms. Those are disruptions. And if you're a business owner, that can really impact your business, right? But my point is, even when we see the storm, 
this there's still a storm it's still a storm and it causes disruption so we need to be resilient even with the storms that we see coming and that come every year and it's been brutal this year guys i don't know about you but it's hot it's been a hot a really long time like chelsea you're not here right now so i don't even know how to what to say to you but <laughs> you, you know god bless you because it has been a grueling high temp 110 plus for like weeks and i think we're breaking some records but anyway i digress let's go back i need to i need to increase my resiliency when it comes to the key tip so let's talk about how do i build resiliency we need some strategies in place if we want to be resilient. And so I've got some companies up here. Some of you might recognize them. They might look familiar to you. And each of them presented a different strategy during the last economic downturn and past recessions. And so I want to talk about it because there's some choices of strategies you can use um, or adopt to become business resilient, but there are some, be there are some best, best practices and not so great practices. Um, in the chat, if you want to, uh, let me know. Uh, I don't know how we can say yes or no, thumbs up, thumbs down. How many of you know Sony? Because <laughs> I'm really wondering, I mean, when I grew up, Sony was the brand when it came to technology and music, particularly and, and audio, sound, and things like that. It was the it company. And I don't honestly hear much about it today. I'm sure it's still hanging in there as a brand, but boy, it was such a common brand uh, in, in my day in those 90s. Um, HP, I have an HP laptop. I just kind of like, I like HP because, and I have an HP printer probably because I'm just used to, the, to their products. Um, but HP, Sony and HP didn't really choose the best strategies in the past recessions. But Staples and Target did. And so I'll go into a little bit more detail about that. So Sony used more of a prevention-focused model. And what that means is they did a lot of cost-cutting. They just, they just kind of held in the reins real quick. Oh, my goodness, we're in a recession. <gasps> Let's hold everything back. They cut costs. They had to more like a minimizing approach. And what happened is they lacked um, operational efficiency. So while they were cost-cutting, they were still trying to run their operations in the same way, ultimately doing more of the same thing, but with fewer resources. And, do, and again, like I said, I don't know if you hear them as often nowadays as a big powerhouse brand, um, but it was a big one when I grew up. They, they really lost out during the recession. They lost quite a bit of money and it really stifled their company. So prevention focused isn't necessarily, like it's a thumbs down, as you can see, it's not necessarily the best strategy to use uh, to build business resiliency or to use uh, in uh, when disruptions and storms come. So now let's move to HP. I like HP used to be called Hewlett Packard, um, or probably is still called, still called Hewlett Packard. I just say HP, but it's a, it used a promotion focused approach. So the promotion-focused approach is the one that's like, you know what? We're not gonna let this storm get the best of us. We're gonna keep going headstrong here. So they ignored the early warning signs. They were kind of in denial. Um, and most, most importantly, they ignored their customer needs. The customer needs, they change anyway, constantly. 
with trends and fads, especially when there's an economic impact going on. Uh, and so they didn't understand that during the recession, customers' budgets, they're, they're reduced, they're cut. Uh, so instead, HP held on to this steadfast belief that as long as they innovate, their sales and profits will continue to rise. And so what ended up happening is they were too aggressive, right? Too aggressive. They just spent, 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 and didn't get the return on what they invested. And so they they hurt their their brand was hurt a lot by being too aggressive and really not listening to the customer. That's one thing that every business owner, and I say this because I do a lot of consulting with business owners, you need to know your customers. Sometimes we get so bit on who we are, what we love to do in the service or the product that we provide. And we, we get these blinders on it, like, oh, we've got the best thing going. And you really forget about, well, what do my customers really need? What are their specifications? Um, what do they, what are they really interested? What are they willing to pay for? And when there's a uh, disruption, when there's a storm, um, you really need to pay attention to your customer needs. So Staples and, and Target did really well. I think Target did the best with their progressive focus, but Staples were very pragmatic, maybe somewhat on the conservative side, but thought really thinking through their strategies, but they did a good job combining the prevention focus and the promotion focus. They might've been a little bit more on the prevention focus side where they cut costs quite a bit and slowed things down. So they didn't have a higher rate of return as Target did, but they made it pretty well through the recession. They ended up closing underperforming stores. Okay, sometimes that's why that's wise to do. You've got to cut in a small business arena, you may have to cut out and trim, trim the fat sometimes. Those things that aren't aren't have-to-haves in your business, maybe some of the bells and whistles that you like to provide that costs a lot, but it requires a higher price point. Some of those things you might have to cut back on. Um, they also, though, increased their workforce. That might be an interesting thing. Not many companies, while people were laying off, Staples hired. Um, so they, they did continue to increase their workforce so that they could, they could handle the demand of, of what fit during the times. So even during the um, pandemic, there were some businesses that needed to increase their workforce. Uh, the delivery culture really boomed. So those businesses needed to increase their workforce. Um, the restaurants, not so much, right? Those brick and mortar restaurants, they needed to, to you know, they had to, some of them had to close underperforming sites. So what they did was they reduced operating costs. So unlike uh, Sony, they reduced their operating costs, but they, their sales doubled post-recession. So not like unlike Sony, unlike Hewlett Packard, they reduced their operating costs. So what happened was sales doubled post-recession. So they made decisions during the recession, with the still with the mindset of being out of the recession, so they can continue to be successful and make money. The last is Target, Target, however you put it. Uh, they laid off, they did make some changes in the prevention side. They did lay off people, but fewer people. And they really focused on operating efficiently, getting rid of things that didn't add value to the process. Maybe some bottlenecks that were going on in their process flow of things and their workflow. 
they streamlined and made their operations more efficient, efficient. And they stayed closely connected to customer needs. This was the time when Target started building out their grocery stores. If you live long enough, you might remember there was a time Target didn't have any grocery stores. Uh, Walmart had, had grocery stores going on long before Target did. But during the recession, particularly, people were at home. They, need, they weren't going out more, as much. They were needing more food. And so they pivoted strategically well in developing out that part of their business. So progressive strategies are more likely to survive the recession. Uh, Target had a growth in sales and their earnings were the highest with this progressive approach. So it included both the prevention mindset and the promotion mindset, but they had, again, more of that sales growth approach and less of the cost cutting. They're very careful and strategic on how far they peeled back so they can still keep the mindset of growing when the recession ended. They saved money by improving operational efficiency, like I said, and their defensive moves were selective. So like I said, they did reduce costs, but they're all about improving productivity um, and reducing um, waste and things that weren't adding value to the company. They also spent their money on research and development, and they still spent their money on marketing, um, but that's again, probably because they're pivoting into a new service into their company. That, that grocery service, but prices were falling. And as prices fell, because they became more efficient with their operations, they had additional funds to purchase plants and machinery at lower cost. So a lot of advantages came their way. I think they, uh, they gained a new partnership with Amazon, a lot of things, they just pivoted very, very well. So they're a good study if you want to read more about uh, Target and um, how they overcame past, the past recession. So hopefully that'll give you, you know, uh, maybe, maybe make you feel not so bad about yourself. Like you're not the only one, even big companies go through hard times when, uh, and, and big companies need to make strategic choices to be business resilient and they all don't make the best decisions. So let's pivot and talk about you. Let me ask you, because we already talked about other people. It's nice when we get to point the, the, the finger at others, but we've got to look at ourselves now. Is your business resilient? Now, some, some of you might be out there going, how would I know, <laughs> Shelly? How would I know? Uh, well, maybe you don't know, and that's okay. And we'll go through these uh, points on the slide here. But first I wanna say, you know, no matter how well you understand it, business resiliency, um, disruptions, the unexpected, the unforeseen, no matter how early you might see it coming, if you're not prepared, if you haven't planned, if you haven't conditioned yourself or your team for the journey, you won't have the necessary stamina to persevere through it. Sadly, I'm, somewhat of an example of that. I mean, I was new to the business ownership game. I did the best with what I had, but I really wasn't conditioned for, and didn't have, did not have the stamina to persevere through the Great Recession. But a runner doesn't get ready for a marathon on the day of the marathon. And owning a business is a marathon if you actually want to be in it, make money, right? And for it to see it grow and, and to have something you can use as more of an investment in the future. 
So a runner, they, they, you know, they don't, if they don't say, oh, I'm going to sign up for the marathon tomorrow and, and not prepare for it. They train for weeks, maybe even for months, right? And a champion, we all want to be a champion in business. Think about a champion, pick a sport, any sport, pick a, pick a, I don't know, even pick a business, any business, a champion in business. They're one who finishes on top. They made it through every adversary. A champion doesn't become a champion without training to be a champion. Mindset. You know, Olympians, they begin training for the next Olympics when the previous one ends. They might take a few months off depending on what their sport is, but they begin again right away. So there's some things that um, we, can, we can look at, looking at this chart here, we can consider to determine whether or not your business is resilient. You know, learn from the past. That's why I had that previous slide up. Learn from people who make mistakes <laughs> like I did, you know, so that you don't have to make the same mistakes that I did. So learn from others. And then you want to learn your business. So, you, you know, if you don't know what you don't know, so you got to go find it, right? And when you seek to know what you don't know all about, you'll attract what you're seeking. So you'll find it. And when you find it, use it and apply it, right? Learn from others. That's the, that's the big one. Like I said, go look up Target. Look to see what they did right. Go look up Sony. Look to see what they did wrong. Um, meet with me personally. I have more to the story I could share. There's so many ups and downs in small business ownership that I can share with you as well. But ultimately, you want to avoid making mistakes others have made. Learn their lessons, right? And apply them and learn from history. And now then you want to own it. And I was talking about the runner and the champion. It's like a mindset. What do I mean by own it, right? Like, hello, Shelly, I own my own business. What are you talking about? When you own something, you benefit from it, even when you're not working on it. Kind of the point, right? I mean, do you own your business so you can make money? I'm sure most of you would probably say yes. And that's good. But you know what? We also work for somebody else to make money. People work for other people to make money too. So what's the point of owning? What's the difference? You know, for me uh, to make money for my business, is that the difference? Is it for me to make money for my business or for my business to make money for me? Let me say that again. Is the point of owning your business for you to make money for your business or for your, or ultimately for your business to make money for you. That's the key. Now we all start off grinding, right? Remember I'm a business owner, I get it, I know. We're hustling, we're trying to make it happen. We're trying to build the business and even get it off the ground. Ultimately the mindset of owning needs to me to get the business to the point where it's making money for me. It's making money when I'm not working is the ultimate goal. Maybe you still love what you do. Maybe you still want to do what you do and be involved in the operations. But wouldn't it be nice if you need to take a day off, you're not feeling well, and you still can bring in some residual income while that's happening, even as a solopreneur. So owning this concept, unintended, owning this concept is key to building resiliency. Why? Because now you will create the right blueprint that only 
makes a profitable business, that not only makes a business profitable, but one that can withstand the storm. So you want your business to make money for you. You want it to be profitable, but you also want it to withstand the storm. Most times, more time is spent developing the blueprint than constructing the building, right? You think about it in a general sense of buildings. It's, it's true. More time is spent developing the blueprint than it sometimes takes to even construct the building. Buildings have the best chance of withstanding storms when? When they follow the right blueprint. You may not want the blueprint of a home that's built on the beach to be built in an earthquake zone, right? And vice versa, the blueprint matters and having the right blueprint is important. So again, most of the time is spent developing that right blueprint. So your business needs a plan. That's what a blueprint means in the business world, a business plan. Because building your business without a plan is like building a building without a blueprint. Because of the blueprint, if there's a fire, we know which emergency exits to take. We know how to pivot to minimize the damage. So you, your business needs a business plan. That's your blueprint to become number one, profitable, and number two, to sustain and weather storms. A blueprint, a business plan, unlike the blueprint, is more fluid. It can change and adapt to the current circumstances and as your business grows and changes too. So you wanna own it and with that type of mindset to have that blueprint that's the foundation for, for your business to build upon and then also to, to uh, work on to be fluid so that it can be ready to pivot during storms. And we'll get to pivoting in just a moment. You also wanna protect your business and you wanna condition for it and you wanna condition your business for the storm. With, with world storms, we have insurance. If you, home, if you own a home, you have a homeowner's insurance. You have a car, you have car insurance. It helps to protect you during storms. So in the business world, you need risk management. Do you have an attorney on your team or do you know of one? Might be someone you wanna speak about, especially if you've got intellectual property to protect. Um, do you have other revenue streams or assets for your business just in case a, a storm comes that tru truly affects one area of your business, but do you have another stream of revenue that can help support it? Or do you have some assets that you have in place for your business? That's one way of protecting your business. If you don't have assets, if you're just getting started, then build it, right? It begins with sales. Sometimes you may have accounts receivables or so some uh, intangible assets that you might have. And then maybe some passive income. We can talk more about what that is at another time. What I mean by condition it is that building business resiliency is gonna take some sacrifice. It's gonna take some investment, some priorities. It's an application of your plan. Back to the athletes and being a champion, it reminds me of a gymnast. A trained gymnast who falls off a beam can jump right back on and finish strong. An untrained gymnast in the same predicament is more likely to give up or get too flustered from the fall to maintain focus and finish well. What's the key difference? That trained gymnast already knows what it feels like to fall off the beam and get back again. They're conditioned to know what's gonna happen when they fall. 
Now we don't want to say, okay, let's welcome all the storms in life so we can figure out what it's like, but we can think about again learning from the past and, and, and applying what we have learned in life to our present time. Where what things do I need to, where what, what priorities do I need to set in place? What what things do I need to invest in, maybe with my team or with my own personal and professional development? What sacrifices do I need to make today to be, be prepared for when a fall might come? So we're not going to welcome the fall, but it, it is inevitable, right? It's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. But let's be trained up, conditioned for it. So it doesn't just take us and knock us off our feet like it did for me in 2008, 2009. We have an opportunity to jump back on the beam and finish well. So when a gymnast falls off the beam, they, they know the outcome is better when they don't give up. So that's kind of that key. When you've conditioned it, you're less likely to give up and get back right on. Um, <clears throat> let's see, I don't think I, I'll go back to that. Yeah, there's a condition on it. If there's a question about it, I have a story to tell, but I do want to get through some more information. Uh, so let's talk about improve it or pivot it. Improve what? Improve your business. Um, so don't stop doing what you did to reach success. Let's say you finally get that big contract you've been waiting for. You finally met your goals or maybe exceeded your goals in sales for the month. And we want to celebrate. And sometimes we can get kind of proud, if I'm being honest, right? But you don't want to stop doing what you did to get what you got, right? So don't stop doing what you did to reach the success. Do it better. Do it better. Now, again, blueprints go through many drafts. So your business plan might go through many changes. So make sure it's updated and renovated, especially even in success, even when there's success. That's gonna, when you're in that habit of improving, it's gonna build resiliency. And, but sometimes, like in my case, you may have to pivot. Some of you might've had to pivot during the recession. Resilient business owners sometimes have to switch directions altogether to keep the business running. So uh, there's this business owner I know, I'll call him Jay. And Jay started off really well. Um, he was in the growth phase of his business. He was ready to obtain capital to make it to the next level. It was a staffing company that he owned in partnership with another person. And then all of a sudden his storm was, well, it was COVID for one, but also um, his partner just cut him off at the knees and he's left alone to run this business. And it, it, it was draining him fast. So what he ended up doing is pivoting. He needed more operational efficiency in order to, to stay above water in the business model that he had going. So he ended up pivoting instead to being a creator of the platform that provides operational efficiency for businesses that he of, of, of that he uh, that he runs, you know, for those types of businesses. So he still stayed in kind of doing what he loved in, in the industry that he was in, but he took a little quick pivot shift. And really, the, the it was the difficulty that he was um, that was imposed upon him that he was trying to persevere through. That was the motivation and the catalyst to his pivot. That was actually the direction he pivoted to instead of running from it. He just said, you know what? Let me make this better so that other people who are like me and may have fallen to these hard times 
would have something more efficient that I've now created to help them to continue operating. So that's one way where business can pivot and stay um, resilient and, yeah, and keep the, the, the key is to keep the business going. So uh, over here on the right side of the screen, I have some questions here to determine um, your business resiliency that kind of coincide from learn from it, own it, protect and condition it, and improve or pivot it. And I'll, I'll let you take a look at that. Uh, if you have any more questions you want to add, throw it in the chat. That would be fun. Uh, and you should, this will also be in a handout that you will have um, that the Chelsea will provide for you. So definitely be able to answer the question, who do I need to listen to? Okay, who can I learn from? Who have I told and who can I trust? I hope to answer a little bit of that today at the end, but that's at the top for a reason. You're not in this to do it by yourself. The business is yours. It's your baby. I get it. But if you can surround yourself with people who are experts in what they do to support businesses, then you're, you're, you're going to grow in, in, in business resiliency. You will be able to say, I am business resilient. Okay, here we go with my favorite part here. The five P's that measure business resiliency. So how do you know if I'm business resilient? Okay, now I understand what it means. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. Um, here's some P's that measure the degree to, of, your, of your business resiliency. Um, how plugged in are you? And some of this might sound like a repeat, but sometimes the best way to learn is to <laughs> by repetition. Um, but you know your, your business is resilient when you're plugged in, you're purposeful, you're projecting the future, and we'll go into the details of that, profitable, doesn't hurt, and planning for what ifs. Now, you don't have to have all of these things in place to be business resilient. But these are some factors that you can use to measure it, to test against it, look at, right? So when I say plugged in, um, do you know? Do you know where you are? Do you know where your business is financially? I've come across business owners that have a fear of finances. They don't. They kind of, you know, say, "Do you have a budget?" I kind of don't want to put a budget together. Um, you know, hey, do you have a profit and loss statement? Uh. Maybe, you know, that part of knowing who you are as a business is knowing your finances. Your finances tell a story. They're part of your identity. They, they, they tell that kind of objective story of how your business is doing, where you're at now. And when you, when you put a budget together, we'll talk about that step number three, you know, your finances can help tell you where you're headed. So you want to make sure you're plugged in. And more than just the financial side, do you have a firm grip on your business identity? Somewhere, if you only had 60 seconds with the richest person in the world to pitch who you are and what you do, because they're looking to, to, to you know, for tax write-off, drop their money off somewhere, you know, you know, uh, do you, can you, you know, confidently state who, who you are, what you do, why you do it, why, and why it matters? Are you confident in that? And maybe the other question is, and will it make, will it make money? <laughs> will it make money? And sometimes we love what we do, but doesn't make money. Because ultimately, we get into business to make money. I, I, I sound so politically incorrect in saying that, but that's the truth. Some people say, no, we get into business because you want to you know, fulfill our purpose and, and get back to society. Yeah, that's true. 
That's why I started my business. But I wanted to make money. You know, I wanted to make money at the end of the day. I had to put a model together that was going to be profitable. And uh, I, I had done that, but again, I didn't have the pivot plan in place for when a recession came. That's what I hope you all have. So you need to have a solid vision, a mission, a purpose with goals, with some values, and be able to answer the question, why? Because as a small business owner, an entrepreneur, there's gonna be days it's gonna hard, it's gonna be hard to get up out of the bed and get going. And you need to have a why statement, why you personally are doing this to remember what this is all about. Because sometimes we can get bogged down into the to hard stuff and the stuff that we don't really like doing, but we have to do it in order to really do what we love doing. And so you want to have a good solid why. So get plugged into your business. If you've been so inundated in working in the operations of it and working in your business and not working on your business, pulling out, looking at the broader picture to remember the why behind it, what you're doing for your customers, things like that. Take a breather and, and reset and redefine your identity, your business identity. Oh, so what's, what do I have next? Being purposeful. I'm gonna speed up because I see my time is ticking. Um, you wanna know where you want to go. Down here. Um, projecting the future. You wanna know where you wanna go. So that's where those realistic goals and predictions come in. Some of us wanted to start the business and get going. And I run into a lot of business owners. I had a conversation with one on Friday. Same thing. He's like, Shelly, I'm so overwhelmed right now. I, you know, I'm on my way to California to this show to sell his products, you know, but man, I want to save up for a house one day, but I don't even really know where to put my money when I'm making it. You know, so how he, he doesn't even have a way, and he's realizing now. Doesn't ever have a really have a way to to share what how his business is doing because he's so busy doing it he hasn't taken the time to put down realistic goals or predictions he knows where he wants to go but he still has to still work on some of the other details like putting down his goals and predictions putting a budget together being getting organized so that he can uh, not only project well the future of his business, but even the future of his life. Uh, so, so that's something you want to be able to do if you want your business to make money for you and not being constantly the one making money for it. Uh, you, want to, you, need, you want to be able to project into the future where you want the business to go. So when the storms come, you still have some hope. You still have that future vision in mind and set. So then if you need to make changes today, you know towards what you're making those changes for. Even when there's a storm, you need to make some changes now, you can you still know what, why, because you have the goal and, and the predictions of where you want it to head later. So being profitable, duh, right? That's a, that's a good measurement of business resiliency. Having a surplus of money is convenient. That would be nice. Um, and I think of the profit as like a three course meal as the dessert. But what happens is that many businesses do not save room for dessert. What do I mean by that? How do we get to the dessert? Well, we start with the revenue. Let's say the first course is the sales. You're selling things. You're bringing in revenue. Maybe you're signing contracts. Um, maybe you've got taking in orders. So 
cash flow cash flow might vary, but you've got some revenue coming in at the first course. That's a yay. And the thing sometimes that happens is the expenses. Sometimes the, exp the expenses for the business can be occurring at the same time as, as revenue is coming in. Oftentimes we have revenue coming in, more expenses occur in order to keep up with the growth. Or sometimes those expenses end up going into our own pocket, right? Because we're like, yeah, I made it, I'm doing this thing. And we start spending, spending, spending. That's the main course. A lot of the times, uh, even if you look at a profit and loss statement, you're going to have more uh, lines, more fields uh, that are that are your expenses itemized out than in the revenue column. So, so that's another way of looking at it too and considering it as your main course. We have a lot of different expenses that we need to note for tax reasons, for lending reasons, for, for uh, pivot reasons, and for resilient reasons. It's good to have those expenses pulled out. Uh, so that's when you want to talk to your tax accountant about those uh, and some other business business coach and business experts that understand about that understand those things. But it's the main meal. Oftentimes, that's the main meal. And what happens is we don't save enough room for dessert, and that's the profit. You want to make sure you become profitable, or at least seek to become profitable as best as you can. Those successful businesses during those past recessions found a good balance between keeping the revenue coming in, they knowing where to cut back on the expenses so that they still have some dessert to enjoy. And so sometimes we get confused and think the revenue is the dessert. It's like, mm, you still got expenses to pay. You still want to grow your business. You want to enjoy the profit. So it's nice to see things in the black. I used to see it when it's in the black. So let's work on becoming profitable. That's a good measure of business resiliency. And then finally, planning for the what ifs, having that contingency plan. Um, I brought up additional revenue streams before. Uh, those will help during times. That's a what if mindset. You know, I need to get another revenue stream. Why? Everything's going just fine the way it is because things don't always stay the way it is, right? If you can afford additional revenue streams and keep costs low and make it work for you, so that, that might be the very thing you pivot to in a storm. It's already there. Uh, and of course, accessing funds is a helpful thing. And during a what if, it's always nice to be able to have funds in place. Some businesses have what's called a line of credit available to them. Uh, so that when that just for when the storm, it's like an emergency fund. When the storm hits, they have something to draw on. But what they've done ahead of time, they didn't need credit. They didn't need lending at first, but the revenue's coming in, they're doing well, and they don't want a what if in life to cause them to not be able to maintain that, their profitability. So um, sometimes a, a contingency plan means basically you have options. That might mean, you, do you have the ability to go remote if you need to go remote? Can some things become automated? Uh, sometimes a contingency plan is helpful when you have a standard operating procedures in place. If you have employees, if you have teams, do you have something that's a standard operating procedure for them to follow? So when, what if comes, it could be internal in a business, it may not even be an external storm or pandemic. It could be an internal disruption. It could be a turnover. It could be conflict within. It could be a lot of things. And having something steady and consistent can be helpful for your team and have that in place before 
uh, the what-if occurs is key. So the degree to which these five Ps are present will determine how you're resilient your business really is. Again, you don't have to have all of them, you know, attain in your business in order to, to be resilient, but you wanna have some of those things present. And if you remember what I talked about before, when I asked is, you know, are you business resilient? One of those questions is, are you improving it? So there's, are you improving your business? So those five factors, if you've got some in place, if you're like, hey, I'm good, I've, I'm resilient, yay. But hey, maybe there's an opportunity to improve. So um, now the right banking partner can help storm proof your business. I sort of talked about that a little bit when it came to uh, the what ifs, when it came to accessing capital. capital. You wanna be able to get ahead of the storm, ideally. Uh, and when, when you're in the storm, you already want to have that financial partner in place. I'm actually gonna go back to that slide. Um, let me think, do I wanna go back to that slide? I'm looking at a clock here, Chelsea. I'm gonna stick with this slide, I changed my mind. Okay, we're gonna stay right here for just a moment. And I do have one more slide coming up that's basically asking, is your business storm proof? Or just a little bit more uh, content to give you, not that you don't have enough to take this way as it is, right? But to get ahead of the storm, um, you wanna meet your banker. You remember, I, well, let me, I don't know if I even said it, said it with much detail. My story goes, the, the bank, the big bank rolled out the red carpet for me. But when that, and I had the business card of my own personal banker and everything, she was cool. But when the recession came and now I'm sitting here trying to do it on my own, trying to make it happen. Like, okay, we're gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. And then I need to call my banker. I call up the number on my business card. Now this is 2008. So I know nowadays we've got QR codes and all that cool stuff. I've got a cool, I've got a QR code actually. But back then it was a business card. I call, somebody answered the phone. It was a male voice, so it wasn't her voice. And I'm, you know, they didn't know who I was. They didn't know who I was asking for. And they didn't really care. And so I don't want that to happen to you guys. That's one of the reasons why I value, value, value working for a local community bank because we really are about community. We're about relationship building with our community. We too are a small to medium-sized business. When you're local, you're not all over the world. We're right here where we are in the state of Arizona. Then we can identify with the uh, pain points, the many pain points of the small to medium-sized business owner that many big banks just can't. It's not their model. It's you know, Small to medium-sized businesses are not their ideal client. Or for a local community bank, especially particularly Gateway Bank, small to medium-sized businesses, you are our ideal client. So we are, take great measures to be able to identify with you. So to get ahead of the storm, meet your banker. Today is the age of automation. You don't have to go into a bank anymore. But if you own your business, like for me, your business is your baby. I came up with my business from idea to reality. It was a brick and mortar. I got to see what I drew come into reality. It was amazing. It was wonderful. But, you know, so it's so even more so, it's so important that you, that you can find someone in the banking world who can identify with you, who supports you. And you need to go and meet that banker. Um, and then you need to vet them. Do they care if you stay in business? Are they familiar with your industry? and its trends. 
are you familiar with your industry and its trends? Okay, make sure you know that first. But you really, you know, when you go into the bank, you might feel intimidated, you know, oh my gosh, you know, but you you have the power to vet your banker, just like they have did the need to vet you too, especially when you're coming in for financing. But before you even need it, meet your banker. Ask if there's a loan officer present. If not, maybe there's a different bank you need to look for. But call me biased, but I've been through it. I'm one of you guys. I own my own business. You need to know your banker. You need to know their name and they need to know your name. To have that financial partner is so key and pivotal when hard times come. You want to talk to them about accessing capital before you need it, or maybe when you need it, for sure. You know, ask about the economic climate. Bankers are going to know what the economic climate's about because we've got businesses of all types of industries there. You know, and even ask them what kind of experts would they recommend to add to your team. So talk to them and then listen to them. When you are in the storm, that's definitely the time to reach out to your banker, right? I was so grateful during the pandemic. Now, I'm not going to put this out there that this is how everybody runs their you know, role at the bank, but during the pandemic, I had my cell phone next, next to my bed. I know I'm not the only one in the room. And I, people were calling six o'clock in the morning. I had one business owner calling in tears. She didn't know what to do. How does she for help, especially with the local? And so I know there's like less than five minutes left. Chelsea, um, Chelsea, how's my internet? Can you guys hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, I think we just had a little bit of a freeze. A little bit of a freeze. We're almost done. We're almost there. <laughs> this is in your handout. Um, for those of you who would say my business is stormproof after listening to everything I've just said, um, then I'm going to challenge you. Well, when was the last time you reviewed it, tested it, or improved it? I've talked about that already. And if yours isn't, how do I do it? How do I stormproof my business? You've heard me say this. I'm going to be kind of a broken record here. You know, don't do it by yourself. Be able to answer those questions. Who can rally around you? Who can you call? And begin today. Begin before the storm comes, right? We buy the umbrella before the rain comes, not when it's raining. Well, I mean, ideally, that's the goal, right? Not when it's raining, but before it rains. And then you want to build your business resiliency and then measure it. So ultimately, that, that's the, the last of it that I wanted to talk with you about today. And so I'm opening up for questions. If we don't have time for all of the questions, this is how you can connect with me. Let's see, there's my like 21st century QR code. You can scan and get a digital, digital view of my business card where you can schedule an appointment with me. So thank you for listening today. Um, I, I think there are some questions in the chat, right, Chelsea? Let's see if I can yeah. answer them. Yeah, and you know, Shelly, thank you so much for taking the time to present all of that really helpful information today. I mean, I think the biggest takeaway I'm hearing is like, plan for it and think about it now, not when you're in the thick of it. Um, I, the one question that did come up that I noticed in the chat um, is around uh, banking, actually. And 
I don't know. I, I feel like this kind of question has sometimes come up in the past when, when we've talked, but do you recommend working with a credit union for a small bank or a local bank? Like what are the differences or what are some things maybe business owners could be thinking about when it comes to making banking choices? Yeah, yeah. You know, out here in Arizona, I know the credit unions are really booming and they're growing. There's many locations uh, and they have their place. My experience is a lot of credit unions do focus on more of um, consumer lending versus business lending. A uh, lot of unsecured lending, you know, from the the, uh, the smaller lines of credits, micro loans, um, personal credit cards. Many of them will also have a business department. They're going to offer business loans, uh, but my understanding of credit unions, their focus is not on the businesses, more so than on their members, the consumers uh, of the credit union. So the credit union has members versus a, a typical traditional bank like Gateway Bank. We have we have shareholders or people who own it, but it's not a membership based type of model. Uh, and so I don't have a definitive yes, no for you on that. My bent is to look for a, a local community bank whose focuses is whose focus is on small to medium-sized businesses. If you own your own business, the credit union might be able to support you if you're just getting started. Uh, maybe you're using your personal finances to help jumpstart your business. But at some point, when you're really ready to grow, you want to surround yourself around bankers who understand business, and that's what's focus. Thank you for attending this webinar. You can get a hold of me. Probably the best way to get a hold of me would be on LinkedIn. So just look up my name and find me and I'd be happy to connect with you.